You are now listening to the Soul and Wonder Podcast, episode 43, That Vegan Couple. Welcome to the Soul and Wonder Podcast, where the conduits of the body, depths of the mind, and atlas of the soul are explored with devotion. Through cultural exchange, Christopher and Sarah and their guests will deliver sacred wisdom from around the globe, uncovering the hidden gems of conscious living and holistic healing all to empower you on your journey of self-discovery. And now, here are your hosts, Christopher and Sarah. Welcome to the Soul and Wonder podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We are your hosts, Sarah and Christopher. Well, hello. We are happy to bring this interview to you today by That Vegan Couple. You may have seen their beautiful faces floating around the vegan community. Yes, they have a wonderful podcast themselves. So before we get into who they are the, and the dynamic duo that makes up that vegan couple, we want to share with you, of course, a little love note on our iTunes reviews by Chipoto. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But he says, or she, must see health tips. I am very impressed by the well-researched and charismatically presented wellness tips provided by Chris and Sarah. The interviewed participants offer wonderful insight on development of a spiritual and healthy lifestyle and life experiences easily identified with. Super informative, great personality. Thank you, Chipoto. Yes, thank you for the love note. We love seeing these reviews, guys. We cannot explain how happy we are when we get a notification that someone has left their five-star review along with their wonderful love notes. And guess what? So this was a review done on iTunes, so you can easily do this. Uh, We have directions on our page on our website, but we also just created a Facebook page for the Soul & Wonder podcast just recently released, so you can go on there and leave a review as well. So uh, like the page, check it out. You'll catch all the new episodes, and we're happy to have started it. Yes, yes, yes. And guess what, guys? We got another event coming this January the 20th. Why don't you tell them about it, Chris? Yes, I am excited for this one. Really excited. So we will be heading to Arizona, specifically Scottsdale, on January 16th. Our event will be on January 20th. Uh, In between them, we're going to be exploring Sedona, which we have not been to. I'm very excited to check out the beautiful energy of the desert, so I hear. Mm. And we'll be speaking on January 20th at 2.55 p.m. until 3.40 p.m. That's a Saturday, and we'll be sharing our keynote topic, Finding Health, Happiness, and Connection, the body-mind-soul approach to veganism. And this is at the Arizona Veg Food Fest. For those of you who are in Arizona, come make a trip. We'd love to see you. Yes, it will be a wonderful day. It's actually a two-day event, and there will be food, music, speakers, and much more. So come check it out. We'll be sure to have the link in the notes of this podcast episode so that you can find more information. Yes. So... That vegan couple, Natasha and Luca, they are social media influencers. Now, they've got an incredible story, and I just loved talking to them. Their vulnerability was so inspiring. Their courage and bravery through this path of personal transformation 
wow. So they transformed their unfulfilled lives of corporate careers, consumerism, unhealthy diets, smoking, drinking, poor health and fitness and personal and relationship problems into fulfilling lives of entrepreneurship, minimalism, healthy diets, smoke and alcohol-free living, thriving health and fitness, veganism, yoga, and personal and relationship growth. Sounds like us, doesn't it? (laughs) They kind of do, don't they? So they now inspire and educate others to make more compassionate, healthier lifestyle choices for themselves, the animals, and the planet via their YouTube channel, social media, podcast, website, and eBooks also linked in the description of this episode. Man, oh man. So we dive deep. We dive super deep into their inspirational story of personal transformation with not only themselves, but also their relationship. And I love how they were willing to offer up these, some people might call weaknesses or, you know, stumbling blocks, whatever. They 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 gave it to us with so much vulnerability and shared all that with us because I think so many of us do experience some of these problems. It's important to talk about them. Yes, and vulnerability is key. It's empowering. It helps others mm-hmm. to get through what they're going through, even though it may not be the same thing. It's really important to be able to open up into uh, and share your stories with people. Absolutely. And we're also going to talk about what it means to follow your heart and live an authentic life. And we say that a lot, right? You hear this a lot. Authenticity. What does that mean? Well, we're going to talk about that, what it meant for them to live more authentically aligned with themselves. And of course, we will talk about veganism and ways the public can educate themselves about what's truly going on behind closed doors. And Luca mentions a few really powerful documentaries that you can watch, which will also be included in this description. So we're also going to talk about my favorite topic of our interview we brought up the power of having a balance of service to self and selfless service to others. So that's a juicy conversation. And of course, we will update you on their upcoming vegan tour in LA this April. Man, this one's really good, guys. We really enjoyed, we really vibe with them. It's nice being able to talk to another like-minded couple and being able to share that same space with them. So I hope you enjoy this and stay tuned at the end of the episode. The health tip um, is going to be a little bit about our new community we've created. Ooh, so if you're vegan, you if you're vegan, stick around for this one. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're really excited to have Natasha and Luca, a.k.a. That Vegan Couple, on the show. Thanks, guys, for coming on the show. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. It is an absolute pleasure, Chris and Sarah. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, and it's we're now two for two here with the Australians. This is uh, <laughs> nice. We we just interviewed a lovely Australian uh, last week, and now we have you guys on, so it's, it's pretty awesome. Aussie, <laughs> Aussie, Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> what part of Australia are you guys from? We're originally from Melbourne, Chris, but we're currently living in Brisbane because it's much warmer than it is down there in Melbourne. Melbourne's too cold. And having uh, spent a bit of time in Thailand over the years, you get acclimatized to the tropical weather. So we just couldn't hack Melbourne anymore. And uh, we moved to sunnier uh, parts here in Brisbane. We don't like wearing socks. If we have to wear socks, it's too cold. 
<laughs> I like that rule of thumb. You know, we should follow that. We should definitely live by that. We are actually uh, possibly going the opposite way and going up north in the northeast of the United States. And we oh. do feel very uh, like we're tropical species. We love our fruit and all of that. But uh, I don't know. We're being called up that way. So we're going to experiment and see what happens. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Thanks. You might well, end up finding us on your couch in Australia where you are if we reject the snow. <laughs> well, life's full of different experiences, isn't it? And how can you appreciate the warm if you haven't you know, experienced the cold and vice versa? Yeah. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I got to ask you guys, um, that vegan couple, it's trademarked, right? How did you guys come up with that? It's a really, I can hear it coming up in conversation, like, oh, that one vegan couple, you know, like, is there a story behind this? There is a bit of a story and you know, it's not trademarked, but we probably should do that. I don't know. That's a good idea, Sarah. <laughs> um, we originally had the name Move Me Yoga Food Life and um, we were very much um, in the yoga scene at that time. This was ooh, how long ago? Three three plus years ago. Yeah. And uh, that was very much um, suited to what we were doing at that time in, in our lives. And mind you, that was the second business name because the oh, first yes. business name was Love, Truth, Joy. Yes. Mm. So it's gone through some transformations. As hasn't we it? have. It's yeah. kind of reflecting, yeah. It's evolved trans- as we've evolved. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, we were at a vegan uh, festival in Thailand one year and the channel had been up for a year or so, I think, at that yeah. point. And people were, some people knew us, but they couldn't remember our channel name. Because it had five <laughs> words in it. Move me, yoga, food, life. And five words in this day and age is just too much exactly. for people to remember. And I can appreciate that. It's the same thing. There are just so many people out there uh, creating content. You know, the shorter your name, the more memorable it is. Yes. And so we noticed some people were kind of pointing at us and some people said, oh, you're the couple. And then we just thought, right, we have to come up with a, an easier name. <laughs> and so we did a bit of a brainstorm. We had a lot of pieces of paper on the ground, throwing words around. And we thought, well, we're vegan and we're a couple. And people will say, oh, you know, that vegan couple. <laughs> yeah, that's us. So that's basically how we came up with the name. It just... That's how it suits. And we, we have a little in-joke uh, between us as to who actually came up with that name. And, uh, yeah, it's still a running joke, isn't it? Like, I pretended it's me and Natasha pretends that it's yeah. her. Luca's and... memory for these things, these details are just no. So, <laughs> anyway, it works. It does work, and I love the simplicity in it. It's very easy. It's easy to remember, and it's memorable for people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to, you know, be speaking with another vegan couple. Exactly. And (laughs) also another three words, soul in wonder. Yes, three words. I was just about to say that, keeping it short and simple. Chris and I, we came across you guys because we stumbled upon your podcast episode with Dr. Claire Mann. And wonderful, wonderful episode, by the way. And we were just like, oh, we want to connect with these people because, you know, it's you're another vegan couple and looking at your website, you're doing so many things and it's right up our alley. And we're like, wow, it's not very often you meet people that you could probably sit down to a vegan dinner table and chat for like three hours on the same topics of interest. Yeah, well, we yeah. feel the same about you guys. We were reading uh, your transformation on your website and we could relate in so many ways mm. and 
it was just an affinity we felt immediately with you guys. So. It's interesting how, as you said, you can sometimes just come together with, I mean, complete strangers, but you could talk as if you have known each other for the last 20 years because mm-hmm. there's so much in common. And, and I think that's a very interesting aspect of human relationships where you can have people in your lives that you don't really have much to talk about beyond the weather and maybe the cricket if you watch cricket, which mm. we don't either. But <laughs> <laughs> And then you can just come across somebody online who um, has gone through an interesting life process and uh, all of a sudden you have a, a connection. So it's a wonderful thing, the internet, that's kind of uh, just connects people on a different level in ways that we don't often expect. So. I could not agree more. Very well said. Absolutely. And, you know, you guys, judging by your website, you have an incredible story of transformation. And so I know our listeners love to hear these stories. So where does your journey begin together and how did you get to where you are now? Well, let's go back about 200. Hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Seems about right. Are we wind the clock back. We, we met at age ten at primary school in grade five, Aww. and then <laughs> we were at the same school, primary school for two years, grades five and six. And then we, I went to a single ed school, uh, and Natasha went to a co-ed school. My sisters actually ended up attending the co-ed school that Natasha went to, and they sort of kept us in touch by exchanging the odd message here or there. This is in our later teens. Mm. We did a Toastmasters um, youth speaking competition at age 16 together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which our... is a public speaking competition. Mm-hmm. That's Very right. good organisation. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, on the eve of my 18th birthday, we got together. Yes. Oh, wait. Now, were you competing against each other in the Toastmasters? <laughs> We were actually. Yeah, technically, yeah. yes, we were. Yeah, Who won? Yeah, I, I there, beat him. there was no competition. <laughs> Natasha's always been a much more uh, professional public speaker than no, myself. No, I just got sure. a bigger mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's um, that's where the, the kind of the you know the love story, the connection started. Yeah. Um, we we obviously got married um, a few years later, and I was at age twenty four. Twenty four. Six years after we got together. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Um, and, you know, everything's great for the first year of marriage, isn't it? That's why that's called the honeymoon period. <laughs> I think that just the reality of personal problems started to surface. And, and, you know, in relationships, everybody comes to relationships with their own baggage. So I have stuff, Luca has stuff, Chris has stuff, Sarah has stuff, mm-hmm. Joe has stuff, Mary has stuff. Everybody comes together with their partner and all of, all of a sudden you have Natasha and Luca stuff together plus the couple stuff. So it, the stuff expands, yeah. you know, <laughs> and um, and that that kind of just started to surface after the first year, once the honeymoon period settled down, and then it was like, all right, the real stuff's coming up now. What are we going to do? And to be fair, it was always present in that six years yes, that we were was. together before we were married. Absolutely, but because you're young and you're in love, and... not that we weren't in love after the first year no. of marriage. <laughs> 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 Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> no, no, you know, like puppy love. Exactly. You know, sure. Now we're old dog yeah. <laughs> but you're right the problems were always there and it's yeah. just you know once you because we weren't living together at when we were dating we only moved in the first time after we were married and I think that adds a another element of surprise to a relationship because you you know it changes once you're living together and everything's um amplified, amplified. that's the word yeah. yeah um so you know basically it got to the point where the problems were no longer 
um, able to just be swept under the carpet and they started to manifest in in my body, certainly, and just affecting us on a level that was no longer tolerable. Um, so from there... Yeah, from there, basically, you know, you went and saw a hypnotherapist mm. and you had a few sessions with them. Mm-hmm. I think it was, was it six sessions it before six sessions. you got to the root cause? Yes, correct. Yeah, and so there was a lot of... Um, you know, blaming family on your part for the first six sessions, uh, avoiding me, even though the hypnotherapist kept bringing up me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, at the end of the sixth session, she sort of broke through to she you did, and did. you realised, uh, hang on a second, it's it's Luca. Yeah. And, you know, you came home. You want to take it from there? Yeah. <laughs> Handballed it over. Right. So I got home and... You know, basically, it was very clear that um, I no longer wanted to be in a situation where I felt like this. And I I sat down and I wrote um, my thoughts and feelings down on a piece of paper. And I d- actually didn't speak to Luca for 24 hours after that final sixth uh, hypnotherapy session because I just needed to gather my thoughts and I didn't want to communicate with him. So, And that was a very challenging 24-hour period for me because I guess one part of me – knew that I'd been outed, uh, if you like, Mm -hmm. for my behavior. And that was an uncomfortable feeling for me. And I still loved Natasha, obviously, even though the way I was acting wasn't a loving way. Uh, and yeah, I felt scared, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. I, that was it was a God, it was a terrible time it was, in it was our life. Absolutely terrible. So basically, uh, Luca came home from work twenty four hours after that uh, session, and I sat him down. I had already started on the bottle of wine, so <laughs> and wrote everything down that I wanted to say. I still couldn't bring myself to speak. Came home from work, sat down on the couch next to me. I just gave him the letter. And he read through everything. And at the end of it, it was like, this is an ultimatum. I'm going in this direction in my life. You either get help and come with me or that's it. We need to we need to take a break. Mm. And I'm very, very, very blessed that the man sitting across from me today chose to get help, to change and to join me on the next journey of our lives together. And I'm very blessed that you gave me that opportunity to join you and didn't just cut me off. Uh, because that's one option that you could have taken. Yeah. And so I went along and saw the same hypnotherapist that Natasha did. And he got it in three sessions. Can you was believe it? Three? <laughs> yes, he got it in three. I took six. <laughs> yeah. So I had my own uh, problems that had a root cause, and she helped me get to those. Mm. And they were basically, you know, a relationship dynamic with my father, a lifelong relationship dynamic with him you know, typical, stereotypical, patriarchal Italian uh, father mm. and ruled ruled with an iron fist and I was the, the son. But, of course, you know, he was – there's only one alpha male, isn't there? Mm. It's as simple as that. So I had to be the beta male for my whole life and that, you know, manifested in self-confidence issues and then that lack of self-confidence manifested in jealousy uh, in our relationship, mm. so I became very jealous of any you know male interactions Natasha would have because I was lacking self confidence because I was never allowed to assert myself uh, in the family home for the twenty four years that I lived there, mm. and yeah, so I ended up writing a letter to my father, uh, and I the, you know because the hardest thing was to voice how I felt to him because I'd always be 
you know, shouted down. So, and I also knew that if I were to voice how I felt, I just knew that based on other relationships that he'd had with other family members and just having observed how he operated for my whole life, that basically if I did assert myself and speak my truth, that would be the end of the relationship uh, between he, he and I. I just knew that no matter how I put it, uh, he just wouldn't accept it. Mm. So it, it was something that I'd been putting off, I, I, something I could never – it was the thing I was most fearful, actually, mm. of doing. And ultimately it was a decision between choosing to maintain that relationship with him or fixing us. Exactly. Mm. And I realized that the most important thing in my life, or I already knew, was my relationship with Natasha and that the relationship with my father wasn't really a relationship. No. It was actually more of a one-way street. It was a dictatorship. It was, it was a dictatorship. It was mm. his way or the highway. And so I'm like, well, hang on a second. When push came to shove and Natasha gave me the ultimatum, I either get to have an opportunity to spend the rest of my life with the person who loves me and whom I love and we have a mutual relationship with, or, you know, I continue to protect this dictatorship <laughs> that mm. I'm under with my father. And, and it obviously it became a no-brainer. But, you know, the I recall writing that letter to my father and it was, wow. I mean, you came home and caught me in the middle of writing, didn't you? I'll never forget that day. You had the day off work and I, I was at work. I came home. I went upstairs to the study and when I opened the door, I remember thinking, I don't know who this man is. It was like a wild animal sitting at the desk typing away furiously. There was a different energy to you. Just I'd never experienced anything like that with you. And I just slowly closed the door and thought, let him be. <laughs> He's doing what needs to be done. And uh, it was it was a gut-wrenching experience of posting that letter. I remember I did that from work because there was a post office next door and my hands were shaking. I was double checking that I'd put all the pages in the right order and got the right address. And for both of us, it was just like, this is the next step because once we send this off, everything changes with family. And we knew that um, we would then have to, and we were planning to make some serious life changes for each other, for ourselves. So um, and then from there, basically, we started planning, okay, what are we doing now? And and our passion had always been travel and we wanted to explore things and we definitely went from, you know, we were checking all the boxes. So you finish high school, you go to college, get your degree, get your professional career, get married, and then what's next? Well, next is supposed to be have a family, have kids. We didn't want to have kids at that point. Um, we knew we wanted to broaden our experience you know, individually and as a couple before, you know, we, we embarked on having children, for example. Yes, and it wasn't sure. even a given that we wanted to have no, children. It, it was kind of, uh, yeah, there maybe, was, but there was, there was a lot. There was a lot of self-work to do yes. and there was a lot of couple work still to do. Yeah, so. a lot of healing needed to be done. Yeah. So basically we took a 12-month sabbatical. This was back in 2008, so it's yeah. coming up 10 years yeah. since we embarked on that sabbatical. And, wow, what an experience. That was Life-changing, like, you know, those words are thrown around, but this was literally life-changing. Yes. At the end and we'll of that, never forget it no, as long as we live. I mean, at the end of that 12 months, we said, okay, well, if the plane goes down now or if we just are in a car accident or anything, if, if, if we died right now, no problem. We are 100% satisfied with everything we've experienced. So it started, you know, 
like more as a holiday, vacation, traveling, having fun. But there was a lot of journaling and crying and reading and talking and self-work going on behind the scenes. It ended up um, with three months in an ashram in India. But before we get to that, we really should talk about mm. uh, on day five. You know, you mentioned it did oh, start yes. as a holiday and it did. Yes, yes. And yet by the same token, that that self-work and that couple work started on day five. Yes. So we spent the first five days in Paris and then we hired a car and we drove to the French countryside. I think it was in Normandy where yeah. you'd pre-booked a bungee jump ride. Yeah. Uh, bungee jump ride, a bungee jump. <laughs> I wish it was a ride. It was fun. <laughs> we planned to throw ourselves off a 60-plus metre bridge mm. and we actually wrote down on a piece of paper uh, things that we wanted to let go of yeah. and we held that piece of paper in our hands and then when we threw ourselves off the bridge uh, we released that paper into the river below us yeah it was just a symbolic um, very, therapeutic very way therapeutic leaving the past behind and starting the, the next chapter and it was interesting because um, the the people who ran the bungee jump uh, they they asked, you know, what's in your hand? And, and we told them the story. And um, we didn't know this, but they said, oh, a lot of therapists actually take their clients up here uh, for a bungee jump. And it's very similar to what you did. They will write something down that the person really, really wants in their life and they will throw that paper off the bridge and the person has to jump and, and grab it. So if you want it so badly, you will throw yourself off the bridge to reach that dream. Wow. And so... Yeah, it was it was fascinating, and and this is something that's really interesting. I think um, we've spoken about this uh, between each other and, and on our podcast that it was a very intuitive experience. Besides um, seeing the hypnotherapist, everything else was kind of just working it out on our own and yeah. going with our gut and our heart and what was logical. And so, for example, uh, later on that year in that sabbatical, when we met a woman, uh, we met her in Italy and she invited us to stay with her in Montana. Yes. And she ended up giving us a book called yes. Callings, uh, Finding and Following Your authentic, your Authentic Life. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. Authentic Self. I think See, authentic anyway, life. You get the picture. Finding and following mm -hmm. your authentic life. Anyway, by Greg Lavoie. Yeah. And as we were reading that book, mm. we were thinking, oh, my God, we did that. Oh, my God, we did that. But again, <laughs> as you said, Tasha, uh, all intuitively yes. without having read anything or no. been guided by anybody or anything. Yeah. And that's when we knew – we were we were doing the right thing, you know. We were on the right path because we were following our own intuition. Exactly. Yeah. So that that sabbatical took us um, around the world. We we're very very blessed to be in a position where we could do that. Um, we ended up leaving our corporate jobs. Uh, as I said, we stayed for three months in an ashram in India. We learned about yoga. That blew our mind. That was <laughs> wow. And from there, the journey really didn't stop. We've been going, as you said, that was almost ten years ago. <laughs> we we've gone through. So many different occupations and so many different um, kind of personal revolutions and websites and many, many different things yeah. that we've done over that time. But um, And here we are today. So I, we, that story just went on forever, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you have another question for well, us? <laughs> well, first off, I want to – I appreciate all of your vulnerability and willing to share this with the audience. I think it's really important. And, you know, as you guys are moving through this story – there's so many things that popped out and, you know, one of the things of cleansing your life and the importance of going within yourself and then to then 
slowly release that, you know, writing the letters, that is um, an act of detoxification and really letting go of the things that no longer serve you. And those are some of the hardest decisions that we have to make as people throughout our lives. And especially when it comes to our relationships, exactly our close relationships. And for you guys to be able to do that is really um, admirable. And I think extremely important and obviously has put you to where you are today. And you mentioned something else about how that if you were to die today, you'd be completely satisfied. And, and that's how Sarah and I strive to live our lives as well. And I, and I want that for everybody that people are in a moment in time and they look to themselves and say, you know what, if I die today, I would be fine and I would die the happiest person alive and everybody deserves that. And so for you to get to that point um, shows the accomplishments and all the different things that you had to get to, to actually uh, embody that and be that. Yeah. Thank you, thank Chris. You. I was thinking, uh, I mentioned that writing that letter to my father and speaking my truth to him was my greatest fear. And of course, you heard from Natasha how fearful she was of writing the letter to me and giving mm -hmm. it to me and letting me know how she really, truly felt. So essentially, you could say that they were our greatest fears mm -hmm. and that we did face them, uh, even though it was incredibly you know, scary for us both, scary. The, the scariest things in our, in our lives. And it reminded me of in the ashram that we spent the three months in in India that Natasha mentioned, uh, one of the gurus there was saying, um, you know, face your greatest fear and you will know fear no more. Mm -hmm. And it's true in, if you think that that's where we started with those scariest of letters, the, the, our greatest fears. And then 12 months later, we could reach a point where we said if we died today, we'd be, mm. we'd be perfectly happy with that. Um, you can see that it's true. Face your greatest fear and you will know fear no more and you can really take your life to the next level. But I think it's very, very difficult for people to do that. Very I think difficult. People don't take that I've Sorry, I, sorry yeah. I avoided it for 28 years or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's how difficult I'm just putting into perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think if you, if you allow that fear to freeze you, then you're, you're just going to kind of, hover at the same level for for most of your life, yeah. you know, and, and I think it's just, it's that push to think, well, I've got nothing left to lose, so I might as well just, just take that step. And that is the hardest thing for people to do. And 99% of people don't do it. They can't even see themselves doing it. They mm. just push that feeling down because it's too hard. And that's where that saying, I think most people live quiet lives of desperation yes. comes from or words to that effect absolutely and it also reminds me of the brilliant film what the bleep that we were yes. shown in the mm -hmm. ashram that yes. was also mind-blowing where the lady says because you mentioned that most people uh, avoid it or what have you mm -hmm. and she talks about you know people never being having been taught mm -hmm. to dream more think big yeah. uh, we're all we live in this fear-based society yeah it squashes mm. us down into a box and this is what you are this is who you are. exactly and so if you've if you've never been told that it's okay to voice what you want that you've never been told that it's okay to say no or or this is not acceptable um then ha where does that strength come from basically and um yeah i think you know, we hear a lot from people, oh, you're so lucky. I wish I could do what you've done. I wish I had what you've done. You're so lucky. I was like, we're not lucky. Mm -hmm. We are just, we took that step. 
we chose it. It's always a choice. It we're is. lucky enough to, ha- to be in the position to be able to make that choice. Yeah, we were you know? born into a certain set of life circumstances exactly. you know, where we uh, were born into families that were... We've know, got a roof over our, roof head over our heads, food, food on, on the table. table, safety, security taken care of, yes. all of those type of primal survival needs already met, and which have, many people don't. That's right. But from that point, it is a choice. And so we made the choice to face the fear. We made the choice to say, this is not good enough for my relationship, for my health, for my life. I want more. And so it's not a matter of you're lucky. It's a matter of you chose it. And, and we want to empower people to know that they too can make that choice. It's one of the hardest choices you're going to make, but you know, heaven is on the other side of that hellish moment. Life begins at the edge of your comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, it's that's, you know, and there's one reason right there why we get along so well is because that <laughs> mission of yours, um, Sarah and I can relate to profoundly. And it's something that we strive for and helping people to get out of that comfort zone. And nobody ever said that the journey of self-exploration is easy because it's hard as shit. And you know what? <laughs> it is It is the most rewarding journey, though, once you start to embark on that. And it's never ending. It's just going to continue the rest of your life. But once you embark and you take that first step, oh, my God, it is so liberating. It's almost like a snowball gathering speed down a hill because Absolutely. you open up so many doors that you gain inertia while walking through these doors to the point where you're just rolling. And, yeah. you know, that journey – yeah, and that it was. I kind of took two metaphors and combined them. I don't know if you <laughs> caught that, but yeah, you know, it's this journey of authenticity of stripping away that which no longer serves us, but also unlearning all of the things we've learned that have clouded our sight of who we are at the core. And I like how you said you guys followed your intuition and it just naturally unfolded because so many people question, oh, wait, am I doing the right thing? Am I going the right way? You know, we, we've forgotten to be quiet and go inward and trust ourselves that this is the right way, even if it's the hard way. Um, and just well, often if it is the hard way, it is the right way. That's exactly. the thing. That's the road less travel. Yes. yes. Exactly. I, I do like, Chris, that you said that, you know, this is hard as shit. And I, I want to add here that that 12 months away, I, I, you know, we kind of told people, oh, we're just taking a vacation because you, at that point we weren't going to spill our life story like we do now um but you know that was 12 months i don't think we've ever cried so much in that 12 months Mm -hmm. tears fell well i i remember remember i was on the plane we were on the plane uh, just taking off uh from australia for that 12 month sabbatical and i remember because we journaled right from the get-go that is the lifesaver key point people journaling i think i filled three journals and you journaled you filled six yeah again i've got a lot to say Uh, and I remember writing in that journal on that plane, I just want to feel again. Mm. Yeah. I had been so, I'd become so emotionally numb. That's yeah. how I described myself. Yes. And I didn't like that aspect yeah. of myself. And I wanted to change that. And I wanted to feel again. And boy, did we feel, baby. That was 12 months <laughs> of blood, sweat and tears, you know. It just, so it, it's, um, Oh, gosh, you've taken us back, guys. You've given me chicken skin, you know, goosebumps. Um, and that time in the ashram, I will say that we did do a lot of reading there. And one of the most, uh, the, the key tool we had was The Power of Now. Yes. The book the Power of Now by That's Eckhart Tolle. catalyzed my journey. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's such a crucial 
tool in your evolutionary toolbox, shall we say. Uh-huh. And I remember we would read a section of it and we would journal about it. So that's it was like a little workshop between us. And it took us forever to get through it. But it, it was like a little guide as to how to deal with the monsters in our head and the heaviness in the heart and why are we the way we are. And so that workshopping between each other and the journaling and the reading, it was um, a very cheap way of doing therapy, basically. Yes. <laughs> yes, it just provided such an amazingly profound framework yes. of understanding, as you said, what's in our heads and in our hearts. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you come out, you know, this this um, perfect being that understands everything. We had more questions oh. after that than before we began. You'll never have all the answers. No. It's always a work in progress. Yeah, but, yep. but it just gave you a little bit more clarity and a few more tools to deal with the world. Yes. And life. <laughs> I love that so much. You know, I just love the initiative you guys took. And I'm curious, at what point along your journey did you begin to tap into the physical aspect of healing? You know, um, your health, the way you ate, you know, the foods you ate. When did this all start to evolve? That all started in the ashram in India because mm-hmm. we went in as meat eaters, eating an omnivorous diet. Heavy meat eaters and heavy <laughs> whole drinkers. And we were petrified of, because the ashram was a vegetarian diet that we had to adhere to, we were petrified of not eating animals or drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. So before we went there, we were in Austria for Christmas. and Yeah, we ate as much meat and drank <laughs> as much alcohol as we could mm-hmm. during that period. Uh, gearing up for what we thought was going to be a three-month protein deficiency on a vegetarian <laughs> diet because we had no idea about nutrition at that point in time. Oh. And we really thought we were, yeah, exactly, Chris, you. <laughs> we were so stupid. <laughs> just, we were ignorant. We I were. wasn't implying that. I was just relating profoundly to what you said. because And, I, we, and we were definitely ignorant too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, uh, we fully intended to return to our omnivorous diet Diet after the three months of a vegetarian diet in the ashram. However, six months, sorry, three months, they screened Diet for a New America by John Robbins, which is a Great based point. on a book from 25 years ago, and then they made it into a short documentary film, the first of its kind that we'd ever seen. So they talked about the ethics in the animal agriculture industry, or lack thereof, shall we say, mm-hmm. uh, the effect of eating animal products on our health, and the effect of eating animal products on the environment. And this blew our minds. We were gobsmacked. As Lucas said, never, ever, ever seen anything like this before. Never considered anything. It was just like someone had hit us over the head with a hammer. And by the end of that, it was a funny story actually because we were watching this in a hall with, let's say, about 300 other people and most of them were already yoga practitioners and most of them were already vegetarian. And I don't think anybody would have been in there as as heavy as a meat eater as we were and alcohol drinkers. So by the end of that film, everybody was cheering and literally clapping, 300 people. Luca and I sat there like, what kind of shit did we just see? We were just gobsmacked. And we looked at each other in absolute horror, knowing that we couldn't go back to eating animals, to eating meat at that point. And we remember feeling angry for two reasons. The first reason we were angry was, why have we never seen this before? Mm. And then the second reason was, oh. Jeez, why did they show us? We're going to have to change now. Damn yes. it, they've backed us into a corner. We have no choice. We've been shown. And once you know, you can't unknow. Yeah. 
So, so, so basically, out of the absolute blue, we're now vegetarian. And that was just a shock of all shocks that came out of that year, I think, because that was the last thing on the cards. There wasn't even a card for that possible change. Yeah, you know? that's right. But they didn't spell out uh, veganism in the documentary. I don't think they even said the word. We weren't no, they, even aware of They didn't of the word. say the word, and we weren't aware of the word mm. because the first we'd come across vegetarianism mm. was in the ashram, mm. and the word vegan was never mentioned. There were no vegans there at that time. Yeah. So we didn't even know the word existed or what it was. So we remained vegetarian for the next two and a half years. We intuitively began to – no, it wasn't intuitively. The more we read about health, yes. the more we – stopped or we started to reduce our dairy and egg consumption and and also because we were living in asia which That's right. um they don't have traditionally they don't have dairy in the diet so we weren't even having dairy we were having eggs but it was uh, more when we'd go back to india on occasion during that two and a half years true. where dairy is uh, prolific true. that we would occasionally have dairy in a sweet or what have you yeah but uh there's nothing compared to how we used to consume dairy no eggs. that's right and then we ended up uh, watching a YouTube video about uh, veganism. Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly what it was, but somebody at the uh, yoga detox spa that we were working at had recommended it to us. And we're watching that. And then down the side bar in the recommended videos came a, a, a video called Best Speech You'll Ever Hear. And we're like, oh, well, you got to watch that with a video <laughs> with a title like that. And, but it said it was an hour long. We're like, an oh, hour? Who's well, got an hour? I remember we said we'll give it 10 minutes. Well, of course, an hour later, we were mm -hmm. bawling our eyes out and then bang, we're vegan. Because so. Gary Yorovsky spelled it out, uh, the, the cruelty in the dairy and egg industry, basically that you can't have dairy and eggs without killing. And because we'd gone vegetarian for ethical reasons, because we didn't want animals to be killed, once we realized or explained that dairy and eggs cannot be obtained without killing, the only uh, logical conclusion was to go vegan. Yes. And of course, then he also explained the other aspects of veganism because it's not just about the diet. So we learned more about the clothing industry and using animals for entertainment and all other purposes. So it was a connection made on a much deeper level than just what we were consuming through our diet. And uh, that was just an incredibly powerful speech. We can't recommend that highly enough. And uh, that was it. We, we became vegan after that one hour. Uh, Video. And then our uh, vegan diet, back to the diet aspect for a moment, mm. has evolved over the six plus years that we've now been vegan. Yes, where correct. we now eat uh, in mainly whole foods, plant based mm -hmm. diet, that, uh, and we've been eating that way for about mm, how long do you think? Oh, <laughs> Probably about three-ish. Oh, three-ish. That's the yeah. That's the story. <laughs> I'm I'm just loving hearing the transformation, even within that subcategory of your transformation, because you're really highlighting the step by step process that all of this takes. You know, I think um, some of us as vegans we get frustrated because we want the whole world to become vegan, and we forget sometimes of how we had to take small steps, right? And it's it's beautiful to highlight that for also our listeners who are not vegan and can still learn the process in which you do transform yourself, whether you're interested in transitioning to a vegan life 
lifestyle or not, just being able to move one inch forward every single day and track that progress is going to put you closer and closer to where you want to be in your life and accomplishing your goals. Well, then to highlight that it doesn't just stop there. And that's, that's another side subject, but you know, veganism is just the first step. And then, you know, you walk into the rest of your life where a lot of people, you know, you guys had a lot of your self exploration beforehand and continue to do so. But, you know, becoming vegan then is empowering. It's life changing and all of that. But then there's so much more work to do beyond that. So, um, thank you so much for highlighting all of that. And I know everybody has different steps that they take in becoming vegan, but yours is definitely an interesting story. And, uh, it was really awesome that you guys shared that. So I'm wondering now if, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, thank you so much guys. And it was interesting, Sarah, on what you were saying. I just wanted to mention that back when we learned about vegetarianism and, and the, around the time when we were learning about veganism, um, the problem was we weren't on social media and mm. social media certainly wasn't what it is today. And that has been the game changer because nowadays it is so much easier to get the full education in, in a much shorter period of time. If we had been, if we came across what we did um, sooner regarding veganism, we would have gone vegan, you know, much faster or, or overnight. As we hear so many people telling us these days, mm-hmm. the internet, the social media, the information that people come, you know, put out makes it so much easier and faster to mm. make the change. And because, um, There is a huge sense of urgency with what's going on in the world in terms of animal agriculture and and the environment and people's health. So the game changer is social media. And I just wish that we had that information sooner and earlier. So our message is always no vegan ever says that uh, I, I regret doing this. I regret Mm -hmm. changing. They always say, I wish I made this change sooner. So don't put off what you can do today. Do it now because it's not just for your health. It's not just how it's going to change your life, but literally you are saving the lives of innocent animals, who the majority of whom are actually babies. Yes. And we're also saving the life of this of this planet that we collectively share that we are supposed to hand down to the next generation and at the moment they ain't getting much of a, a good hand me down. So if the message the take home message if we could send this out to listeners is use social media as the wonderful tool that it is to get that full education as soon as possible. And you can get that full education in as little as four and a half hours. You can watch What the Health on Netflix. You can watch Cowspiracy on Netflix. And you can watch Earthlings on the internet, on on, uh, the Earthlings website. And in four and a half hours, you have the ethics, the health, and the Mm. environmental understanding of the three pillars of veganism. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. You know, and we'll, we can also link those in the show notes if um, our listeners want to click that and go right to it. Your transformation is, is, is such a great example of how you went first inward to the self to reach this, um, build a, a foundation, essentially, reach a stable point of harmony and balance from which you could grow. And from that, moved towards service to others and impacting your community, obviously, in the work that you do, spreading awareness. And I find that that is key to making any kind of change because if we just stay within ourself say we reach that zen-like state and only keep to ourselves it's blissful and euphoric but it doesn't actually evolve anything around us but then you have sometimes the mistake of 
neglecting that first point of building the foundation and moving directly to service to others and working in the community. And unfortunately, sometimes people become consumed by their intense passion or, you know, they have, like you talked about with Claire Mann about Vistopia. Um, obviously, that's just an example of veganism, but it happens to people all around the world where they neglect the personal development aspect of it and just want to help others and don't see how their efforts are made in vain in that regard neglecting themselves. And I think that your example is just a really wonderful thing for people to understand the importance of going in a step-by-step structure to be able to fully communicate your personal truth and to be able to fully help others who are seeking guidance to move in that direction of authenticity and the way in which they can contribute and connect to the world as well. Well said, Sarah, and we completely agree with what you're saying. And a metaphor that we like to use, it's very simple, but we like to think, we, we like to keep things simple here at That Vegan Couple. <laughs> it's simply when you uh, are on an aeroplane, it's about to take off and they're going through the safety instructions. They always say, in the event of a drop in pressure in the cabin, oxygen masks will fall from the, ca- you know, the ceiling above. Mm-hmm. Put your mask on first yes. before assisting others. It's, it's really that simple. Yeah. And so that's what we started to do in the ashram, as you said, Sarah, build that uh, personal foundation by going deep within. However, the selfless service also came out in that three months in the ashram. Mm. Uh, and I remember, if I could just quickly tell this mm-hmm. story, um, part of the selfless service, which they called karma yoga, was to everyone would eat in a dining hall twice a day and they were um, everyone would sit on the floor barefoot and they would have their tali tray on the ground and then the kitchen servers which were all volunteers they were all just members of the uh, people staying at the ashram and they would go along with these big heavy metal uh, buckets of the food uh, that were brought out from the kitchen and they they were very heavy and it was a tropical condition, so it was hot and you're sweating and you're very hungry too because you've just practiced yoga for several hours and it was only the two meals a day, so you're really looking forward to your food. But the kitchen staff couldn't eat until the you know hundreds of people in the hall had all been served. So you're, I guess, uh, delaying your personal gratification, if you like, so that other people can can eat first. And I remember, you know, normally you'd think, because we were very, very selfish people, very mm-hmm. selfish, focused on the self, consumerism, wealth creation, just all about us. It was all about us. And this was the first experience we'd had mm-hmm. in helping others before ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I remember the euphoric, liberating feeling of doing this. You know, I expected to be cranky and give me my food and I'm hungry and it's hot and this is buckets heavy and I don't want to do this and it was the complete opposite and I just had never experienced this feeling before and it felt fantastic and we haven't stopped since. (laughs) Well it was interesting because as you said that was the first feeling, uh, the first experience of selfless service and it was like a drug. You've described it like the high of a drug and that's what happened. We we wanted more of it so after, once we left the ashram we came back to Australia and we thought well we just don't fit into regular society anymore we can't go back to the careers that we had, we can't go back to the lives that we 
thought were normal. And not that people can't, but this was just this our was personal experience. This was just our personal experience. experience. That, yeah, that's right. And so what I we did I just didn't want to scare people no, away. No, 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 you don't, you don't have to follow what we did. Um, but, but for us, it was just like there was no option. No, we can't do this. We need to keep going on this journey. So we actually ended up selling the majority of our belongings. We had packed everything away in storage and we sold everything on eBay. It was incredible watching all these possessions that once held I mean, our entire life value was put into inanimate objects and then they were just being sold on eBay, sold, 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 sold. It was and an incredible experience. Chris's uh, terminology before, it was like detoxification it once was. more. It mm-hmm. was, yes. We felt lighter and lighter and lighter with each um, item sold. And we narrowed it down to, I mean, we left some boxes with family that we went back to years later down the track and got rid of those as well. But basically, we we ended up with two big backpacks, two day packs, and we hit the road again. And what we wanted was more of that selfless service experience. So we did go back to, or we went to Thailand actually for the first time, and we volunteered with the foundation for um, disabled adults, young disabled adults, uh, street kids, uh, homeless kids, which is the same as street kids, of course. Mm-hmm. Um uh, children in daycare from the slums. Um, who else was there? An now? orphanage. An orphanage. Uh, a blind school. Yeah, so lots of people in need. And we spent, I think it was almost six months there, um, again, giving and giving and giving and just doing work that we had never, ever considered we would be the type of people who did this, you know, thing. It was just so but foreign that, to us. And in that giving, we received back so oh, much at a soul level, at a heart level. Oh. One of the most... One of the most um, incredible experiences of our lives, and we've done a lot over the last 10 years, but that time there, that six months, the heart chakra exploded. (laughs) And so, you know, as you said, Luca, the more you gave, the more you got. And it was this beautiful balance, a two-way street, and it continued. And then, you know, we got into yoga. And that's when, as you said, Sarah, we really started to give back to the self again, the self-nourishment and and just mm-hmm. going within. And But um, then we became teachers and then we gave back once more. Exactly. So, <laughs> so it was, it's a constant give and take through the years. It and is. I, I yeah. just really quickly want to say I absolutely love that you threw in your examples of your self, what did you call it, selfless service. And, you know, to me, there's an absolute difference between altruism and simply acting out of an ego state of attachment to fix the world, right? So you guys in that state were learning about yourself and your awareness as you're serving others before yourself. So it's like this interesting, um, it's still mutually beneficial in a weird way. Mm. And because you're, you're receiving this immense flow of gratitude and appreciation just through the sheer act of giving. And that is what I love so much about, you know, giving because we're helping other people, but at the same point, we're elevating our own feeling of connectedness and recognizing that interconnection between this, this cosmic web that that it is impossible to be separate from. And I just want to, say that that's um i love that yo-yo effect right of the balance yeah. of going in through selfless service and going back to take on that reflection and ground yourself and and sprout something new from that experience and then feeling nourished to go back to that state of selfless service and i think that if the whole world could just do that wow what an amazing place wow. we would live in it would be an amazing place and and um 
You're very right. I mean, tying this back to the idea of dystopia that we spoke about with Claire Mann and the the need for self-care, now we've kind of come um, through this very long journey and we've come to the point where, yes, we are now vegan activists. And so how do we maintain that balance? Mm -hmm. Because our work is very different to, you know, working in, uh, in the ashram or being with orphan babies or that kind of thing that we were doing many years ago. This is much more intense. And I think now it is so much easier to lose ourselves. And we see this in the vegan community all the time with people giving literally everything they have, 110% for the animals, for the planet. And it leads to premature burnout time and time again, inevitably. And that's because the problems that we're facing are of such a magnitude that they are too great for any one individual to be able to change overnight. It's just not possible as much as we want it to be ideally. The reality is that this change is going to take a number of us and it's going to take some time. So you need to have that in mind first and foremost and then that's where the self-care aspect comes into it. So we make sure that we move our bodies in some way, whether it be running, cycling, uh, body weight exercises, whatever it is, you know, some people like swimming, dancing, it doesn't matter, just move your body because our bodies were designed to move. And we try to do that, you know, four or five days a week, depending on, you know, work what's and life on. and what's mm-hmm. going on. And it's not just for the physical body, though, it's also for your mental health. Mm-hmm. Exercise is absolutely crucial. I know Gandhi, I'm not going to get the quote right, but it was something like he said, um, meditate every day. And when I'm very, very busy, I make sure I meditate for two hours instead of one, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Now, um, for us, our meditation is our exercise, essentially. We don't meditate in the traditional take, sense. It, yeah, it can but take different forms. Exactly. Yeah. So for us, when we have one of those really busy days, if I know I've got a heap of editing to do for a video, I need to go and, and get out of the house and run and just let my mind go blank because my legs are throbbing from a really challenging run, for example. And it just shifts that energy. It clears the mind. And that is so important important for our mental health and then we're always on top of our hydration because when you're dehydrated all the systems of your physical body are just not working right and it affects your mental Mm -hmm. clarity and then with the diet you know that's why we keep a mainly whole foods vegan diet because Mm -hmm. that's what science is telling us that our the human body you know runs most optimally on Mm. and it makes us feel our best The, the, the difference has been incredible over the years so and then we also make sure that we get proper sleep so you know we personally we like to go to bed at 10 p.m and we get up at 6 a.m it's a nice eight hours Uh, I think science recommends sort of seven to eight that's the the sort of ballpark there Mm -hmm. and sleep is is the most important of all the uh, factors that we've mentioned because it just everything flows on from then you know in your entire endocrine system is dependent on the quality uh, and duration of your sleep so that that's and we live in a sleep deprived society yes. where it's often glorified to go with as little sleep as possible and work 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 and you mm. know run yourself on stimulants but inevitably you're heading towards a burnout somewhere along the line yeah. so so we're in it for the long haul and this is what we try the message that we try to to uh, spread through our work especially to those who are already vegan and want to do more want to get into that service of educating not just being vegan for themselves but becoming active and and advocates for the animals and the planet. And so you've got to be in it for the long game. You've got to take care of yourself. It not only helps the physical body get through day by day, but the mental state is very, very important to take care of. And I think if perhaps – oh, sorry, Chris, go on. Oh, no, go ahead, please. 
And I was just going to say, going on from what Natasha said, if roughly 1% of the world's population is vegan, only 1% of that 1% are actually vegan activists. So can we imagine if more more of the 1% of vegans that do currently exist were to take better self-care in terms of their sleep, their hydration, their diet, their exercise, they might be better equipped to be better advocates for the animals and then Mm. collectively we could get to where we need to get a lot faster. Yeah, I think a lot of people think if I take time out for my self-care, well, that's being selfish and mm-hmm. I could spend that time, you know, doing something for the animals. But they, you need to shift that perspective by taking care of yourself. You are taking care of the animals long term. Because if you burn out and you end up having some kind of uh, physical uh, yeah, you ramification, sick. you get sick and mm. you might need to go to the doctor and they might prescribe some pharmaceuticals that have been tested on animals and all of a sudden you're not doing you know, what you really wanted to do for animals. Yeah, and you're so. taking time out from your uh, activism to, to you know, deal with a physical illness. So, yeah, taking care of yourself in in effect is actually taking care of animals long term. Yeah. Thank you so much for mentioning that and reinforcing that because that's something that Sarah and I um, – actually work in that space of personal mastery and we have um, what we call the vegan warrior total immersion and we we incorporate our holistic method our nine steps to becoming that happy balanced and whole person and this is specifically towards vegans so that they can become that vegan warrior in which we define as, you know, that person who masters the inner and outer dimensions of the self. So then they can create a more compassionate world and live a more heart centered life. And that is just so, so important. And I think gets often neglected within the vegan community. So if we can create these so-called vegan warriors, then we can create the stronger movement and a movement that then creates more change and transformation in the world. It would be a much quicker transformation as well, because like you said, it's uh, people who are coming from this point of a strong foundation. And if they have that strong foundation, they're able to find their purpose much faster. It becomes a high definition focus where they're able to contribute and maintain like you guys were talking about the physical, the mental, um, you know, we do the life coaching and whole food guidance as well within that program. And that mind, body, soul connection is where we need to reinforce and we need to connect that within ourselves if we want to see that in the world. Beautiful, guys. I love what you're doing. That's it's, We're on the same level. That's, yeah, that's beautiful. Absolutely. Beautiful. You know, and it's interesting as you guys were just talking then, I was thinking yeah. um, because we focus our work on social media now and this is coming from two people who didn't even want to get on Facebook at one point, <laughs> seriously. Just, we weren't going there. But what we saw was we noticed that everybody was on their phones, on their smartphones, you know, always looking at something always scrolling and so we thought well we need to be on that device because if they're looking at something they might as well be looking at us and hearing the vegan message Mm -hmm. so that's why we we got on social media we feel it's the best way to reach as many people as possible as effectively as possible with the vegan message and what i'm getting at is that you know being on social media can be very very challenging youtube in particular it's kind of like the wild west right there's a a little toxic it's it's extremely it's Mm. it can be very very hard and a lot of people say to us i don't know how you do it i don't know how you manage that in your life it's i can't even deal with some hate comments on my facebook you Mm -hmm. know page how do you deal with all of that and we always say look you have to have your shit together Mm -hmm. you know you've got to be at a place where 
you've dealt with you, you've dealt, if you're a couple like us, you've dealt with the, the couple stuff and you're at a place where you can take on that next level of the world, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Throwing everything at you. Exactly. And so the self-care is absolutely crucial if you're going to make your line of work or your, basically for us, our entire existence depends on social media. So again, just that, that reinforcing that the self-care is absolutely crucial. Yes. yes, I'm so glad we had you guys on today's episode. <laughs> you know, what's I'd like to know what are what do you guys have planned for the future? What's up and coming for that vegan couple? And where can our listeners find you if they're interested in following you? Thank you for asking, Sarah. Look, what we're most excited about in 2018 is our vegan-friendly tour of Los Angeles. We've partnered mm. with a non-vegan travel company, uh, the founder of whom, <clears throat> of which I uh, used to work with many years ago, and he's just, just sort of been following our journey over the years and knows we're that vegan couple now. And he was in LA running a non-vegan tour uh, last year, and it just so happened that they were eating at a lot of vegan eateries because LA it's is LA. the vegan capital of the world and <laughs> that's what you do when you're in LA and he said he thought to himself wow I wonder whether there's a little uh, niche market here a trend where I could offer vegan friendly tours and he thought ah oh, that vegan couple I'll, I'll uh, check in with those guys and we, we love the idea because we don't um, we don't need non-vegan businesses to you know go into bankruptcy we just need them to change their product line yes and so we jumped at this opportunity. We thought, wow, this is great yeah. that he's even thinking along those lines. And yes, let's do this. So we organized a tour together. Yes. So uh, from the 12th to the 18th of April in 2018, we will be in LA and basically taking people on a wonderful tour. It has a fitness focus to it. So we're going to be doing different types of exercise each day. We're which, doing like uh, soul cycling yeah. and pound, which are like drumming, drumming. classes to music Just and new and yoga. Different, exciting, Actually, we're taking... Oh yeah, class, we're taking the yoga. Well, I'm taking the yoga class. Are you joining me? <laughs> I'm going to help with the uh, adjustments. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, eating vegan food throughout the entire ex trip. So um, we're very excited to spend that time with people. And it, of course, it's not just for vegans. We want non-vegans to join. We want vegan curious people to join, or even people just who are looking at maybe making some healthier changes to their diet. So I think that's a great opportunity for them to learn from us because we will be there for uh, the entire time, of course. So you can pick our brains, ask as many questions as you want learn about how we have made the changes that we've discussed today in more detail and just uh, it's a good opportunity to kind of kickstart a, a new a new phase in your life if you like yeah. so that's going to be a heap of fun and that, that uh, sounds so cool oh yeah that sounds awesome yeah. guys. <laughs> I, I love that idea I'm, I'm really happy you guys are doing that and uh, you know there's so many different ways to spread this message and that's just one way and I'm really excited for you guys Thank you, Thank Chris. you so much. And, and people can find, find us, yeah, on our website, thatvegancouple.com. And from there, you can find everything else that we have to offer the world these days, including our podcast, our YouTube channel, our clothing, clothing our ebooks, mm -hmm. yeah, so, and all our social media. You guys are awesome, and we we hope to uh, connect to connect and hang out with you guys someday. And I'm sure the conversation will go on for many more hours. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, guys, it's been an be absolute lovely. pleasure. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you for having us. Thank once you for again. having us, and thank you for all the amazing work that you two are doing in the world. Let's keep creating those warriors. We need an, an army of healthy, balanced, amazing vegans to transform this world. Thank you for your leadership, guys. 
Well, that was wonderful. Yes, very fun and exciting. What a beautiful couple. I can't wait to meet them someday and hopefully collaborate. You never know. Absolutely. So instead of a normal health tip, we want to give you an opportunity to enhance your life in every way possible for free. Yes. So if you are vegan and you're on a path of self-discovery and you want to enhance your lives physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, well, we want you to join our community. We just created a new community called the Soul in Wonder Vegan Warrior Community. On Facebook. On Facebook. And in this community, we'll be sharing a bunch of tips, tricks, and challenges, workbooks, assessments along the way to help you get moving in the right direction, morphing you into a vegan warrior. Yes, we would love to have you there. This is a space for you to inspire each other, encourage each other to grow, go into the deepest parts of yourself that need healing, and we will be your guides. And why are we doing this? Well, we want to fulfill our mission of creating a connected, compassionate, global community of happy, healthy, and balanced vegan change makers. Yes. So go on to Facebook, type in Soul and Wonder Vegan Warrior Community, and join. And we will see you soon.
The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade, never stop arriving. 